welcome to the Blue and White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football. Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman. And I'm Andy Gaffman. And we are the Blue and White Brothers. Two brothers, two takes, one team. Well, bro, the 2023 football season is officially in the bag, and uh, we are here for one last episode of the Blue and White Brothers for this season, and uh, boy, oh boy, I can tell already it's going to be an exciting one, but before we get into that, We were so excited about it, we decided to wait a week to to, to bring it to your ears. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yes, that was we we could hardly contain our excitement. So that's exactly why we waited. Yeah. Um no, I mean one of the reasons that we waited was because um it was a holidays and um we got to yeah. see each other over uh the New Year's between Christmas and New Year's and um that was great, bro. And uh happy New Year by the way. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. The crazy Is it happy? population. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, um, you keep it in your way. I'll keep it in mine. <laughs> That's uh, Christmas Carol. In are case you a, anyone here was unaware? Nittany Lion Scrooge this I'm year a is that what Scroogely Lion fan? Um, <laughs> um, sort of right now. So how was how was your holiday? I mean, I got to see a little bit. I heard a little bit about it. But just like you know, how would you characterize your Christmas slash New Year's? I, I, this is how I'm going to describe it. James yeah. Franklin used up all the glue on purpose, <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't enjoy my lamp. All right, um, it was a major award. And I won it, and uh, no, I, mean, I had a great holiday. To be honest with you, it was fun being home. It, um, you know, I there were there, I, it was very rare to to see the sun while I was home. Um, True, you know, it's like a, a lot of rain came through, a lot of gloom was over top our heads. Uh, I was very sleepy for a lot of it because I was getting over being <laughs> sick. Um, and uh, yeah, but the day of getting back to Denver a few days ago, the sun has been shining here in um, sunny Colorado, and it's been it's been a, a nice holiday to see mom, dad, and family and friends. Uh, it's ne- it's never long enough, always too short, but always good to get back home after essentially four days of travel when you combine the to and from driving trip with our old dog. <laughs> Good times. Yeah, um, great. Yeah, um, I same kind of had didn't have as much travel as you, but um, definitely had a fair amount of travel in there on Christmas Day. Uh, went over to Eileen's parents on the eastern shore in Delaware and then um, went up to mom and dad's the day after we got back. Yeah. So it was like basically, you know, three straight days of, of traveling, going to see people. And then, um, finally a couple days of, of just sort of chilling and, you know, Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday, so excited to kick off a great day of college football, starting off with a peach bowl that just kind of took all the air out of the balloon. Uh, Penn state just, <laughs> We're gonna get into it. We're gonna get into it. But that 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 Peach Bowl was just like, I mean, it really encapsulated Penn State's football season in my mind. Of just like how there was a lot of promise that just fizzled out by the time. You well, got at least the through. night before that game, that the Peach Bowl. And by the way, awesome noon kickoff for a. You know, New Year's Six <laughs> Saturday game again. I don't even get it, dude. They um, did not even have an evening game on that Saturday because of the NFL. 
because of the NFL. Anyways, Lame. but the night before, I got together with a couple of my buddies, uh, Garrett Kerstetter and Matt Stump, um, both of which were roommates of mine in the past back when I lived in Pennsylvania. Um, one of them was a co-worker at Appalachian Outdoors in State College. He still works there, Matthew Stump. Um, but... That night, it was like uh, it was a, a mild night, and, and probably on where you were too. And we had um, at my buddy's uh, house, Garrett's backyard. We he has a big projection screen that he has strung up um, against his fence, and he brings a projector out, and we watched Missouri embarrass. <laughs> Ohio State <laughs> and Ryan Day and whatever was happening with that team. Um, uh, that was yeah. fun. I we had a big we had a big fire going next to us. We had like um yeah, like a like a whiskey bar set up on a bench next to next to us with like uh like uh, cold stones and like smoke like we were making like smoky uh, bourbons and stuff like that. Um so it was a, an enjoyable Friday evening uh for that game. And then I just assumed the next day was going to be a great day of football um Alas. and basically it was not um a great day of football <laughs> no, um no. maryland did end up beating auburn but penn state laid an egg not a real egg not like florida state laid against georgia which was hey, <gasps> you're getting ahead of okay 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 thanks but it was just so, a good, it, it was it was a good friday evening to watch ohio state lose that's what i wanted to focus on more with that that was enough. great <laughs> yeah, that was there, the pinnacle for that weekend for me <laughs> there were definitely some nice moments over the holidays um and, um, you know, now we're back in the swing. It's kind of like rubbing your eyes every morning, trying to get up after kind of having some lazy days in there. This has yeah. been a, it's been a tough reentry here in, in my household. Let's put it that way. Okay. But, um, I mean, nothing really major. It's just like, you know, do we really just, have to go to work today? Do we really have to start another year? <laughs> no, seriously. Can we just have another week or two I'd of vacation, like, yeah, please? Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, but anyway, speaking of, my son Juan, he's uh, he's still home on on uh, winter break. I'm taking him back to campus uh, oh, okay. Friday. Right on. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's living the life. I think he's itching to get back at this point. But anyway, um, here's what we got coming up for the podcast, guys. Um, we are going to do some news and notes that's mostly going to be uh, a bowl season recap which tom's already started for you i get and then so we're gonna, excited like jojo yeah. the idiot circus boy with a pretty new pet <laughs> um we're gonna do the peach bowl recap so it should be a lot of fun there get ready for that um we got a couple of mailbag entries and then we're gonna close out uh looking ahead to next year and that will include some um of, of the team updates about who's coming back and who's coming into the team and um things that we don't know yet about the team but we'll be taking a look at that and and looking at kind of what some of our early early thoughts for next year are um that's gonna be the podcast today guys and um let's start it with our news and notes news and notes Well, uh, the big college football news has to do with the bowl games, uh, you know, the big bowl games and the apparently completely worthless bowl games, many of those. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I guess what I want to say before we talk about some of the specific results, which I don't think we're going to spend a whole lot of time going into the specifics, but I just felt like uh, overall it was a disappointing bowl season. You know, all it things got, considered, it got started off well. Like some of our uh, Penn State's opponents were doing well. West Virginia won. Um, I, I Northwestern. Forget. Northwestern looked like they're a team going in the right direction. It felt like the Big Ten and Penn State's opponents were getting the bowl season kicked off well enough for Penn State's at least interests. 
you know? Yeah, but like, I think overall, like in terms yes. of the competitiveness that level of the games. Oh, uh, yeah, we can get into that. Very disappointing. Like there are so many games that just felt like they weren't worth watching. And then when you got into that sort of stretch between Christmas and New Year's, and it's just like, you're looking for anything that's like halfway decent. And it was really hard to find it. Um, speaking of Penn State opponents this past year, like honestly, one of the more, more like emotionally engaging bowls was not one I was expecting to watch. Just happened to be on uh, on on Thursday, December twenty eighth. The Bad Boy Mowers, great sponsor by the way, <laughs> in Stripe Bowl when Rutgers beat Miami thirty one to twenty four. Yeah, like all right, Big Rutgers, deal. Greg Schiano going the right direction. Finished Mario with a winning <laughs> record, by the way. Yeah, uh, you Finished know, with a winning like, record when. Rutgers versus Miami is kind of like the peak sort of, you know, bowl uh, game prior to the New Year's Six games. You're kind of like, what is the point of this thing? Well, I mean, <laughs> listen, listen, the narrative can go whatever way you want, depending on how you want to look at any game with regard to any team and how they did. Like the moment Penn State's like within a few days of Penn State losing, I was able to in, in my brain be like, all right, turn the page. That loss meant nothing. Yeah. Watch like, it off. You know, but like if you win, if you're like Rutgers and, you know, you have your uh, Big Ten leading res- uh, rusher in Manungai who steamrolls right. over Miami and the vaunted Mario Cristobal hard knows we're going to play tough knows everything like he ran all over Miami made them look bad and um, essentially Menungai is coming back next year so that's a catapult for Rutgers for sure um, yeah, you know, well, and you could say the same for Ole Miss you know like absolutely they didn't have absolutely. very many opt-outs you know absolutely um, Jackson darts coming back and absolutely and they're, they're going to have a lot of weapons. And so they're, yeah, they certainly the bowl, beat us. The bowl season has become this. It doesn't matter unless you make it matter. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And a lot it, of teams become a lot of teams and a lot of players are not making it matter. But, but speaking for, of yeah, not making Penn it State, matter, not making it matter. Penn state didn't make it matter in the way that Ole Miss made it matter. And what a lopsided viewpoint of each team when you're coming out of that bowl game, we'll get into that more, but you the, literally the, the when do we want to talk about ESPN? <laughs> Let's talk about it now. I mean, okay, okay, okay. Basically, absolutely. Why don't you lead off with how ESPN was posturing on the on that Saturday when they're hosting well, college game day in the morning before Georgia, FSU, Ole Miss, Penn State. You know these are top ten teams, man. Yeah. So this is Saturday, December thirtieth. There are two. New, New Year's six, six games on that very day, and it's a Saturday, so they're doing their normal college game day thing. And I'm I'm interested to tune in. Start off the day with college football, you know, and literally the in the three hours of game day coverage, uh, you know, I didn't notice more than ten minutes total, maybe of three hours of three hours where of they even three talked hours. about. Uh, they, where they even talked about the Peach Bowl, let alone any kind of in-depth reporting on on the Ohio State-Missouri State, game, even the night before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean there was there was right exactly. Which, by the way, why are you starting a New Year's Six Bowl like on Friday, December 29th, three days beforehand? It, like it was. It's weird how they're all spread out, of course, but like, you know, whatever. Saturday is a college football day. You you have two New Year's Six bowls that day. And you spend all of college game day basically talking about the, um, it, well, I was going to say talking about the two uh, semifinal championship games, but in fact, they really spent most of the time talking about Alabama, Michigan. Yeah. You know, like 
to no end. Two full no hours. End. Probably two full hours of college game day was spent talking about the Rose Bowl, Alabama, and Michigan. And by the way, they were on site inside the Rose Bowl. With no it one there. while pouring tarp rain. Covering, yeah. Tarp covering the field. It looked terrible. There was no energy from any of the anchors. Like, what is ESPN doing? But, you know, aside from all of that, aside from those pretty bad optics, you know, what I came to recognize is, like, you know, why do you have guys opting out of the Peach Bowl or the Orange Bowl? You know, Florida State. Well, here's a big the part of snapshot right here. Absolutely. Like, so ESPN, who's monopolized the, um, you know, all but like three or four bowl games in terms of, you know, being the one to broadcast it. Well, guess what? They're not even talking up the bowls, the the quote unquote New Year's Six Bowls, the that major they're bowls. Covering. They're not, that they that they're covering. They themselves are covering. L- literally, right after that game day episode was over, it was Penn State Ole Miss in the sh- in the sugar. Well, sorry, not the sugar bowl, the uh, Peach Bowl. Um, it's a bad look. It's a bad look. And and I, you know, you and I were talking last night, Andy. Uh, and I came to this revelation, and, and I'm, I'm, when I say revelation, I mean like in this way. I came to this like thought uh, of of what ESPN is doing. Why are they doing that? Why are they doing that? Like, what is the, wh- why would they basically cannibalize their own product? Essentially, that's like what it amounts to when it comes to um, you know everything you outlined with opt outs and, and 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 you know highlighting a, a bowl that, that's not even being played for another forty eight hours. <laughs> so. Yeah, by the I, way, they had a whole new round of coverage yeah. on Monday, January 1st. Right. College game day yeah. again. Yeah. It's so, not like it was so their the only opportunity to do this, you know, uh, coverage. They spent two hours covering a game that they were going to cover again yeah. in a pregame. So I thought about way. it. I thought I about it. What? So, about so yeah, what'd you come up you with? Remember the, like, wh- I, I, <laughs> I said this to you last night. Do you remember yeah. the movie trading? This might not be the perfect analogy and I, I'm, I'm certainly not the, you know, Confucius when it comes to like <laughs> giving people advice on their life and giving, you know, people a- analogies for sports, <laughs> but here we go. Our dad was very good at it, I think. And I'm not, but I'll do my <laughs> best because he bestowed the, the sports analogies upon me. Um, so the the movie Trading Places has the Dukes, you know, right. swapping swapping, you know, Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy. Uh, but what they're doing in the movie, the Dukes brothers, the whole plot of the movie is about the Dukes brothers trying to gain the orange crop report before the rest of the market gets it, so they can corner the market. All right, so they can so they can set the price and make the most money. And that's basically what ESPN is doing with regard to expansion of the playoff and and basically washing out all these bowls that don't get fans in the stands, that don't make money, that don't get a viewership on um, game day. Like I'm I, sure these other bowls are a financial loser for them. At this point, probably right? they and they're forcing that because they're playing the futures market. They're yep. playing they're trying to try, trying to gather all their, Dude, their energy Kirk into, Kirk into Street the- came out this week and said basically you know he's their premier broadcast personality. He came out and he basically said just cancel the bowls. Just just get rid of them because they're pointless. And you know what? They're pointless because you guys you have made, made them. You pointless. made them pointless. They intentionally, either either initially intentionally or after the fact intentionally, when, when, when it, with regard to the B, uh, not the BCS but the CFP with a four team playoff, they've well, been the pumping NCAA, that four team. The four team playoff, Andy. Like they've been doing this for years now. Yes, absolutely. And now that and the NCAA a 12 is, team playoff. 
It's NCAA a is complicit. Uh, the, the CFP committee is complicit. The it's monopolistic. Other, it's monopolistic. Absolutely. How, how is this allowed to continue? You know, you look what down we the say, list of... Everything but three bowls three were on ESPN, ABC. Yes. I think it's three. Yeah. I think one was on... Um, one was on Fox, the Sun Bowl, I think it was, or is it CBS? One was on CBS. CBS, and there was a Fox Bowl game. It was because uh, Joel and whatever his name, <laughs> Joel and Gus called it, and I forget what the bowl and was. one was on the CW Network. Exa- and that's the Barstool Bowl, like the Barstool whatever like, bowl. So it's just, it, you know. It was Oregon State, Notre Dame, I think, that was on Fox. No, that was on CBS. Oh, is that, that was the Sun Bowl? Okay, my bad. Yeah. Well, then well, I don't remember if it was the Sun Bowl or what bowl, the Holiday Bowl, the, whatever it is. All, all that, does, the specifics don't necessarily matter in this case. It's just to sure. say that, you know, out of the how many, you know, 40 bowls, you got 36 or 37 of them that are being broadcast on one network. And like, let me tell you, the quality, I mean, we're and it's the, like, the Peach Bowl, the Peach Bowl, New Year's Six Bowl. They, they hosted a national championship game just a couple of years ago. It's supposed to be one of the premier bowls. And like the broadcast crew was terrible. And Think of it this way. When corporations are like, well, these branches aren't doing well, they shut them down. Yeah. It That's what they're doing. Like, absolutely That's what they're doing. That you know, they're totally so, starving it of, of oxygen. Yeah. And, um, and and it's terrible. It's a disservice. You know, I was very much looking forward to that morning being able to kind of get a little bit of encapsulation of Penn State season, some of the players get the highlights. That's what they do when there's like a marquee game coming up. You'd think the Peach Bowl would be a marquee game on that day for uh, college game day. They but, relegated it to an afterthought. No. Absolutely. I on mean, a national was, scale. So it, it was very disappointing. So and so and I feel like um, you know, this has got someone's I don't know who can do anything about it. I certainly can't, but it's gotta change. Okay. Someone's so, gotta put some competition in there with them. Real quick, I, I, I well, listen. I think you and I both agree there are too many bowls, right? Oh um, yeah. I'm not Definitely. saying that we. I'm not saying we don't need to get rid of some bowls, but but the way that the monopolistic ESPN is handling it is not good for the sport. So like, no, it, it's it was like further even depressed. It's for it's created sort of like a you know, a, a, a cyclical effect where it's like, oh, people don't feel the bowls amount to much. ESPN then downgrades their coverage, which only you know, makes people think less about them. I mean, you know, the narrative in college football, I mean, these young players are very much in tune with, <laughs> yeah, and, and they're in tune with what like the national perception is like they're making now life, more than ever with the connectivity of social absolutely. media. For they're, sure. they're making life choices based on these kinds of perceptions because these perceptions might amount to millions of dollars for them down the line. Absolutely. So, you know, it's a conscious choice that ESPN has made to, to downgrade these bowls in terms of their coverage, their value and all that kind of thing. They're hyping up the opt outs as like the, key feature of like the reporting on these things much more so than like the actual narrative or or anything like that around what's interesting about these bowls so it's very disappointing um, i don't know what the I, you fix know, is I, and you were saying you're saying that like like there basically it's like a um a ship at sea with you know with no one at the helm kind of thing absolutely uh, and just getting yeah. battered by you know it's love. definitely a little bit lord of the flies like you know it's like total exploitation from the people who have and no and no literally no like like there's a new ncaa president have you ever even seen this guy make a statement publicly about anything that's going on in college football (laughs) and this is encapsulated (laughs) for me most 
significantly. And we saw it to a certain extent in the Peach Bowl with the opt-outs and totally changed the way the game played out. But you couldn't um, have a better encapsulation of this than the Orange Bowl, in which number six Georgia was playing number five Florida State. You had basically half the roster of Florida State, you know, and they were left out of the CFP. And that was this whole other kind of scandal, I would say, with how that was handled. But Georgia steamrolled Florida State 63 to three. It was an all time beatdown, you know, in terms of a New Year's Six Bowl. Um, and and Kirby Smart even came out and said like this oh, has yeah. got to change you know this oh, yeah. is wrong what's happened and he he kind of expressed feeling bad for that Florida State side and he's like I understand why guys are making those choices but the way this is set up you know uh, it it was it was bad it was unwatchable you know and um, again I think this is a problem of college football's own making that power brokers have allowed this to happen. And, um, you know, you go back to the fact that, you know, there was an opportunity a couple of years ago for this to be the first year of the 12 team playoff. And, and even then they said no. And then you threw away this whole bowl season. Like it didn't even matter. I mean, it's just, it's very, very disappointing how you, it all played out. You shared with me, I think on, on this past Saturday, you shared an article with, with the group, um, from, um, from all of all places, CBS sports, um, and you, yeah, you, why not? You included the, the link with a quote from it. And you said this season, the only 12 team playoff bids taken by teams other than those in the big 10 and sec would have gone to Florida state and Liberty. So the rest of those 10 bids other than yep. Florida state and Liberty would be big 10 and sec. So by the way, the sec being the ESPN's preeminent conference, you know, at this juncture, as they continue to undermine the ACC, which is, you know, they're they're underpaying and under um, exposing the ACC for their premier conference of the SEC. Um, yeah, I mean, the CFP selection committee was complicit in in you know keeping that perception alive. Right. So and, and there's talk of Florida State going to SEC or Big Ten now as a result, which is right, predictable. Right. Uh, so it's just very, it's a very bad look. Uh, at, at, to say the least, but yeah, like we're the definitely in a period of significant disruption. That's that it's only bound to to change. Even, it's further, even further dividing the 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 FBS 130 teams. It's further dividing it, and maybe it should be divided to a degree. But like they're just the way that it's going about it is like. A, you know, like a monopolistic bully, just working behind the scenes with no oversight, just because of capitalism. I think you know. Yeah, no ground rules. It's yeah. just it's a it's a money grab and a power grab and corporate and people, greed. Corporate. Yeah, greed. it definitely feels that way. Speaking of uh, Ebenezer Scrooge, <laughs> yeah, decrease um, the surplus population <laughs> of, of 130 non-worth. teams. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. No money for us. <laughs> right. Yeah. Greg Sankey needs, we know where this is going. We know we Greg Sankey needs to have see, a visit from the ghost of Christmas. Past. We can all see where this is going. Uh, you know, it's it, it feels like it's going to ultimately be, become at some point, un, you know, become at some point uh, an SEC Big Ten like dominated. It could super, be just an SEC Big Ten league. Yeah. Could I mean, it's basically that? that's what the money and viewership NFC. is. Yeah. That's where the money and viewership is. And ESPN's in control of the the, the rudder. 
you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I, I think unless we have like somebody who just takes up this mantle of like, I'm going to solve these problems and I'm going to assert at a high level, my thoughts and ideas for fixing this. Other than that, the NC, you know, which means the NCAA can't be in charge anymore because they aren't the people that, to do it. So, I, you know, there, is there going to be a, a, a major college football czar that comes through and, and, and fixes these problems to make things feel like they're equal and, you know, everybody has an opportunity. I mean, it's not uh, probably an accident that in all of the other major, you know, uh, sports competitions, those leagues have, you know, conference commissioners, you know, NBA, uh, NFL, uh, we don't have Major one. League Baseball. We you do know, not have and, one. The NCAA no, is hiding at all times like Hitler in the bunker. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it definitely feels very much like um, baseball in the early 1900s where you have like major owners with, you know, huge deep pockets that are manipulating things. And, and um, you know, it was not great What's for the, the sport. Stop it, th the powers to manipulate. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> all right, all right. We've so talked this for a while. Epic rant. Um, yeah. Let's let's talk just briefly about the two college football playoff games, which I think when you look at all of the bowl season, uh, ironically, those semifinal games were actually the best awesome. games of they were a bowl no season. No one opted out. <laughs> no one. Go figure. <laughs> which, by the way, could be a thing in the future, though. People opting out of the 12 or 16 future 16 team playoff. People are just like, you know what? It's not worth it. How many more games are we playing and putting our bodies on the line? But continue. You're going to have to put these players under contract. Absolutely. That like, will happen. That th There will be no way that ESPN will let their best, the best players opt out of the playoff, which is their premium. There's you know, no like, way I to let that happen. Last night, I watched the Giants uh, miraculously beat the Eagles. Oh, my and, gosh. The Eagles. I mean, miraculously <laughs> is not the right word. Eagles are, are looking bad. But, like, Saquon Barkley was carrying the ball into the fourth quarter. He's not going to be playing for the Giants yeah. next year. They're and under you think, contract. Like, He's under contract. And he has incentives in his contract, too, by the way. Yeah, I mean, why isn't Saquon Barkley opting out to protect his future? Because he's under contract. And yeah. so you're going to have to do something like this, especially if you're talking about um, you know, revenue sharing. Which, come through. If you're making money, it's your job to play for you. Go, go, go into work. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, Rose Bowl, Alabama, Michigan, um, Alabama uh, failed to convert a fourth and goal situation in overtime to give Michigan the 27 to 20 win. Um, the best thing about this game in my book, bro, is that both of these teams look pretty bad. Um, Jalen Milrow, the quarterback for Alabama in the week leading up or weeks leading up to this game, um, you know, a lot of his backstory was centered around him being under Bill O'Brien when he was the offensive coordinator at Alabama. And he was very, very, very salty about how Bill O'Brien interacted with him because Bill O'Brien was like, you're not a quarterback. <laughs> and <laughs> and he was like, and, and his whole thing was like, I'm going to make him pay. I'm going I'm to show him gonna that show I can him. I'm going to show him, you know, like a Heisman trophy candidate, uh, taking my team to the playoff, taking my team to win a national title. And the dude threw for barely over hundred yards and did not look like a very good passer against Michigan. He, he did about a good, as good against Michigan as, Drew Allard did. He looked like a running back is what he looked like. Um, <laughs> but in that play, that fourth and goal, they called, uh, uh, you know, a, well, a keeper. I, well, the the snap was bad, which was a problem all game long for that center. And it was Alabama. a quarterback draw, but though, basically. Well, so if you watch the analytics afterwards, the snap was low and there was a running back. Their running back was going to the flat 
And because he had to take an extra half second or so getting the ball off the deck, that that possible dump off to the running back was out of the question because he wouldn't have had time to throw the ball. Uh, I did not see that. Yeah. So so no, that is that a lot about Bama fans are like, if he hadn't been a bad snap, maybe he had that option or could even pump fake um, to to throw a defender off, you know, his his QB draw. But either way, Michigan played it tight and and sat, tackled him for no gain. I think it was. I know we were um, rooting for Alabama just because you I don't. I mean, rooting. You don't want Michigan Ala- to. Well, rooting against the the, yeah, the Harbaugh right. led uh, cheaters, um, <laughs> and and you know just the, the, the there's a lot of smuggery going on uh, with the Michigan fan base, and you just don't want to see them, um, you know, feel like they're <laughs> vindicated in every manner yeah. <laughs> just for winning. Yeah. football games but by the however, way the, it's also okay to watch alabama in, lose too <laughs> that's true that's it felt really good to, yeah. to watch that team uh come apart but um you know the best quarterback in michigan history jj mccarthy also did not have a great game yeah he did not andy <laughs> uh, but they played team football they sure did yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> that was, by, by the way, very tongue in cheek. Uh, oh, okay. JJ McCarthy, the <laughs> best quarterback. <laughs> I didn't know how to take that. I was like trying to look. I'm like in my brain. I'm like no, I Tom mean, Brady. That's what, that's what Harbaugh uh, was saying. You know, yeah. that's like the. Oh, you mean America's team? Yes. Could, America's could Harbaugh, coach of America's team could was Harbaugh, calling him. Uh, this is like this got to be America's team. It's got to anyway, be the greatest fun watching team of both time. of those teams really struggle and and deal with a lot of miscues. Hey, um, real, do, do we at any point are we talking about what Harbaugh? By the way, the game is tonight. The national title game is tonight. Yeah, we'll, get to, the, we'll get to Monday, we'll get to Monday January games. <laughs> we'll get to Washington's uh, game with with Texas, which was another great game. But Harbaugh is now coming out in these pr- press conferences like we got to pay these players. We got to get we got we as coaches and administrators got to take a, a five to ten percent uh, pay cut and, and pay these players the billions that that we're taking. By, in. by the way, just real quick, do the math on the five or ten percent pay cut of coaches to pay the mm-hmm. eighty five scholarship players. Like you're okay. still you're talking about giving them like as a pennies. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, take a fifty percent pay cut. Right. Yeah, you're getting. Pay- yeah, <laughs> then exactly. let's talk. I think five percent of my, you know, hundred million dollars should go to the eighty-five players. <laughs> so uh, generous, and it's like, and it's Jim. Like, by the way, so generous. By the way, so he's being like kind of praised for this a sure. little bit, but to me, it will mean absolutely nothing that it came out of Jim Harbaugh's mouth if in a week. He's signing a contract with an NFL team. There was he takes a huge, all of right? his money. He takes all of his money and goes and plays, you know, uh, you know, by his, somebody else's rules in a different league. And prof- there was a huge league. write-up in the Atlantic um, leading up to this game that they basically, you know, put um, Jim Harbaugh in like the appearance of um, Che Guevara. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes, I shared yeah. that with you. Oh, yo, you did. And did you? What was my reply? I can't remember. It was he looked funny. like he looked like um, oh, yeah. the, the m- mother of the Fratellis in the Goonies. <laughs> <laughs> you know the the evil the evil like yeah. you know yeah, the bad the, guy's mom who who you know she is a, a hideous woman unfortunately for her. Um, but looked anyway, exactly like her. She wears but, like a beret. But they're basically like calling him like oh the rebel that. Um, you know, college football needs and like, no, I, okay. I, I assume you this writer was a Michigan alum or something, Jim, but probably Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> if he has any conviction in the words that he's been saying about paying players, here's what I would do if I were him. And I actually th- felt really, you know, like convicted uh, with what I'm saying. Take 
five to 10% of the money that you have, Jim, and put it in a trust. And when once pay, you know, players are allowed to be paid, Jim, you can go ahead and pay them. All right. Absolutely. With your money, your yeah. money. All right. Yeah. Don't go to the NFL money. and make make one hundred and fifty million dollars. You know, in your first contract with whatever team's dying to have anybody that that could potentially bring them out of the depths of despair. Um, and by the way, still, still, no talk of you know how Michigan's foundation after two hours of coverage. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Almost zero mention of this, other than the, the fact that he wasn't on the sidelines for a right. couple games. Scandals. Of course, they showed the Sharon Moore weeping at the end of the Penn State game. Like, you know, it, so again, like ESPN hyping up this game as the game to end all uh-huh. games uh-huh. and like completely under uh, selling all of the other games. Well, they very, don't want to taint their product. Thing. And then of course, the, like I said, the game itself was a terribly error prone game of these two, apparently, you know, marquee yeah. match. Yeah. Know. Two, two, two punt flubs by Michigan. Um, that Alabama anyway. would typically make, you know, if you if you had if you had told uh, Michigan fans that they'd have like uh, two um, punt flubs, one they'd lose, uh, and then like a missed uh, field goal, um, and like some other things that happened that were very, uh, you know, Michigan uh, un- Michigan ha- hadn't behaved this way in any games this season, basically. Um, yeah. and, and if you had said that Michigan was doing this against Alabama, you'd be like, Alabama's gonna win the game. Well, that's how they lost the um, CFP game last year against TCU. Right. Is they, just, they made mistakes, so big mistakes. You know, they were yeah. lucky, lucky to have gotten through this. And by the way, yeah. can you honestly tell me that Alabama was a better team than Florida State if they had been full strength? I, no, and it, you know the, the game, the game even was, with their backup quarterback, Florida yeah. State. I mean, I even mean, in overtime, they only scored twenty points. Yeah, you're right. Ridiculous. Um, Ridiculous. So by the way, right. just for just for fun. Uh, I watched that game um, down in South Philly uh, while I attended Mummer's Day, Mummer's Day Parade. I watched it sitting next to two Michigan fans. <laughs> so I got to I got to sit there and watch them be elated and and, and have a joyous occasion uh, on national TV on uh, you know on New Year's Day and we're just watching two of my good friends who are Michigan fans enjoy it all. <laughs> it sucks. Uh, sucks to be you. Yeah, it did. <laughs> um, all right. Well, um, that you mentioned the Sugar Bowl number three Texas versus number two Washington and um, the team that I was pulling for. Thank God. Uh, eked it out in the end. Um, Washington beat Texas 37 to 31. And it really seemed like Washington's game going away. And then a couple of things happened toward the end of the game that, that really kept Texas in it. Um, Washington had a chance to, to score a final touchdown ended up settling for a field goal. And then uh, they held Texas and, you know, had a chance to run out the clock and then one of their players on the on a third down play, uh, the the running back who carried the ball, like actually went down and they stopped the clock and had to give Texas the ball back with forty five seconds. Oh, they almost lost the game. I mean, like, it was very an interesting nearly. ending to that game. It was sure when it, Washington it was, looked like they had it all in control at one point too. Well, yeah, I mean, I think you know, thinking to Alabama, Michigan versus Texas, Washington. I mean, Washington was the superior team by far until these like weird fluky, you know, last sort of five minutes, two minutes that just kind of like went haywire. And Texas was, re- they really had a chance to win the game until uh, Quinn Ewers completely flubbed it when he yeah. had, had the yeah. opportunity. 
I'm, I'm happy Texas lost because I was not interested in seeing Texas back, so to speak. No, even no. though people uh, ha- are saying it because they made the, the CFP. Um, Washington, Michael Penix, he, Michael Penix, Penix is looked legit. He looked phenomenal. He should have been the Heisman Trophy winner. I don't know based how on, he just based on this. You know, like they should wait till after the playoffs or something like that. To, yeah, to, totally. If you have Heisman Trophy moments in real games, like like totally. Jaden Daniels, great quarterback for LSU. I'm not going to take anything away. Three from losses. What, how do you give it? Three to the losses. Guy? Um, and and I'm sorry he did not carry his team. You know, in in the biggest of games and get him into the playoff. Uh, I just I can't. You gotta you gotta look at Penix as being like the actual best quarterback in the country uh, at best, this point. You know, best um, single player in the country. I think Michael Penix in and terms what's of interesting what he did is, for his team. Michael Penix is now going up against Michigan, and Michigan, Michigan, um, and Washington have played for a national title before. By the way, uh, yes. and I think and I think the nineteen ninety Rose Bowl. 93, the, it, I remember. It, or something yeah, like well, that. there was one that was Washington State that they played for a national title. Then there was one. Anyway, was Washington. Washington won in that la- last meeting. They did. They won a, Washington won a national title against Michigan yeah. in whatever yeah. year that was. But on top of that, Michael Penix Jr. is 1-0 against Michigan, I think. Ooh, really? Well, at least well, he has a win against that year that Indiana w- was good in the COVID year. <laughs> oh, yeah, Michigan was Michigan went two and four, and <laughs> we beat so them. Bad Indiana beat them, and Penix was the quarterback. All right, yeah. So it's it, just so like it, Sean Clifford has a win against Michigan and Jim Harbaugh. That's, right. that's right, Andy, because <laughs> of that year. Yeah, that's right, Andy. Uh, <laughs> so, anyways, <laughs> I, it's going to be a really good game tonight. I am very eager to watch it, uh, mostly just to see uh, Harbaugh. Fall fail and then leave his team in you know shambles <laughs> um but before we like even touch on maybe a little bit of that game if you want to at all Andy I just want to outline that the rest of that you know there there were three other games on January 1st um right. and none of which were New Year's six games by the way <laughs> um so there was you know Liberty got absolutely murdered by Oregon. That was a New Year's Six game, by the way. That was oh, was it? Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. What, there was one. But, so the Oregon future Big Ten team, uh, obviously coming in, coming in on a hot streak. Uh, but then Wisconsin played LSU. Wisconsin actually looked halfway decent against LSU. Um, and now, Jaden Daniels didn't play, but Big Ten team, Wisconsin ended up losing. But then, Tennessee, Iowa, Andy. Do you Did you watch a minute of this game? Neither did <laughs> no, I. I sure obviously, did not. But guess what? <laughs> Tennessee beat Iowa 35 to nothing. They outdid our shutout of Iowa. Um, bummer. Which which is a bummer. But like how Iowa of 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 um Brian, Brian Ferentz's last, last game, game as offensive coordinator. It's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally incredible. Um the Big yeah. Ten did not uh, um you know basically we did they, not show up very good. No, it, it was not, not a good showing in the a, bowl. Yeah. And Penn State's a part of that, no doubt. Let, and about the Peach Bowl, let's let's dive into it a little bit. Yeah, it's time. Um, you know, uh, here's the Philadelphia Inquirer headline of the game, quote, Ole Miss throttles Penn State in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I think, it, I think it, anyone it was an embarrassing loss. It was an embarrassing loss, but I think the majority of, of anyone talking about this wants Kiffin and Ole Miss to like elevate. Like Franklin's not Franklin's not the cool kid on the block. All right, nobody's Penn State. While being a great institution and great football program by and large, like 
the SEC wants other teams to elevate themselves because, you know, Georgia and Bama have largely dominated minus a couple, you know, seasons here and there with like an LSU or an Auburn. Um, but by and large, Georgia and Alabama have dominated the SEC and th- they, you know, they're looking for like other preeminent programs to like assert themselves. And I think that's why they're outlining Ole Miss, Throttles, Atlanta, or Throttles, Penn State, and Atlanta. And it's like, you know, they weren't playing against a Penn State team that played all season. And no one starts their the conversation of this game that way, which is, yeah. you know, irks me as a fan because if you if that game had been played in week 13 before players are hitting the portal or opting out for the draft or opting out for um, just whatever, I don't even know. Like Penn State, I think, plays beats Ole Miss on a neutral field with both starting rosters playing. I do. Yeah, I mean, so that's I think one of the storylines of this game, um, and it, it it not just changed how the results uh, looked, but it just changed your your perception of the game as a fan. Like, you know, Franklin's are completely altered. F- Franklin's, um, you know, language and you know, demeanor going into this game is that like you know. Penn we're going to play football. Is, yeah, we're going to play football. We're going to have our team. Like, we're going to, Kalen King, we expected to see him. Like, all of Fashion we, we expected him to, to play see a little. him for at yeah. least a little bit, you know? And it, the what, only ones and, we didn't expect to see were Johnny Dixon and Chop Robinson. Right. And, right. and, and by, the, by, the, by the middle of the third quarter, I think we had like 10 of our starters no longer playing. By yeah, by so, way of opt outs or by way of um you know th- throttled snap counts or by way of um injuries by the way <laughs> yeah but so you had four starters not two four starters who opted out for the whole game and then you had Theo Johnson Curtis Jacobs uh, Adisa Isaac and Caden Wallace all had limited reps and they were basically not seen in the whole second half and then you mentioned the injuries um, we had three linebackers know. get injured. Yeah, um, Abdul Carter, um, Kobe you know, King, and Tony Rojas all got into so, the game. You know, so you 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 basically had a team that you had you know ten of your critical contributors, especially on defense, was where it really seemed, um, and the offensive line for that matter. You know, there's a time a point in time when our run game was working, and then it wasn't. And you know, I think the O line's um, performance is, was. You know, significantly affected by that. And, you know, Drew Allers, the pressure he got, you know. So <clears throat> it wasn't the same team that took the field all season for sure. Um, and, um, you know, I don't know if this is, you know, Franklin's mismanagement. I don't know if it's just the way that these players were handling it. There did seem to be in some of like the, the post game conversation uh, from the the coaches that, that they weren't necessarily. Franklin's uh, comp, Franklin's, like posturing and the words he's using about Kalen King going into the game was like, it basically was like giving the illusion that Kalen was going to play. It's like, we had a lot of really good conversations with his family, we had a lot of really good conversations about like the plan for the game. There's a plan. There was like, a you never plan. need to opt out. He's like, he was basically saying you never need to opt out. It was like, we'll have a plan in place and come to find out the plan in place was to never say a word. Until right before right. the game is starting. To, it's like, is that a, is he doing that to, like, who's benefiting within that? Like, right. where is the, like, the ultimate benefit with not saying a word about these players opting out until right before the game? It's, it's not even a competitive advantage, like he I mean, does with the uh, injury report. Our friend Cody, you yeah. know, t- 
he flew down for the game, you yep. know, bought tickets, sat in the, you know, he was pretty disappointed that, that that was the showing. And a big part of that showing was the fact that, you know, you had these 10 players who weren't playing. I mean, that's a big difference from having two players not playing, yeah. you know. And, and with Ole Miss having only one player not playing. Ole Miss yeah. basically had their whole team minus one defensive end playing that game and playing so to win a, that game. I don't know that I wouldn't say Coaching this is Coaching to win that game, playing to win that game. I wouldn't say this is an excuse because even with the players that were in there, they did not look great. And they had, you know, three weeks to prepare for um, Ole Miss. You assume that the players who were going to play had the chance to they do that prep, but they, they, they almost didn't look great. But, but it was certainly a significant um, factor. Um, but, you know, I think, it was interesting going into halftime, bro, you know, and it's uh, 20 to 17. And we had over a month to prepare for that game, just so you know. Yeah. Okay. My November bad. 24th so, yeah. to December 30th. Yeah. Over so you have a, four weeks. So, you know, that's even making my point even more. Exactly. I wanted that to be the case. Your point is you clear. Have a month to prepare, and that's sort of the egg that you lay on offense and defense, um, you know. And, and what, I, what I was about to say is that, you know, going into halftime is 20 to 17. Um, Ole Miss had clearly outplayed Penn State, but like, you know, in the Michigan game and the Ohio State game, Penn State managed to keep it close. The offense found a way to get a little bit of scoring and the defense kind of kept the worst uh, of of the, um, you know, other teams offense from from doing damage, you know, down by three is not is not terrible, you know, and we got no. some lucky breaks. You got some lucky breaks on um, offense, you know, that Tyler Warren 75 yard, you know, kind of tipped ball on a, on a batted ball. One of yeah. many batted balls on the day. Yeah, We'll talk about Drew Aller. And by the way, I just did the math 36 days between our last regular season game and the, and the bowl game 36 days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Hmm. Um. So with, with regard to that though, that t- like, I'm sure that like not every player, wasn't it was it wasn't known what players were doing at at one finite point like early on in that yeah I wonder how much the game plan had to had adjust. to so Franklin said a lot of moving pieces in the post game yeah. as far as like yeah. why it looked as bad as it did not an excuse still uh, you know I don't believe that it's an excuse yeah but but if those it, guys it does were change starting, it does change a lot no doubt yeah like if Cam Miller didn't get starting reps at cornerback. Until, until that week, week or the three like, days beforehand. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, now, Daquan Hardy did play the whole game. Just FYI. Back to my, uh, what I was in the middle of saying about the first half is, you know, you felt like, Hey, if you just, and how many times did we say this during the season, especially, you know, Michigan, Ohio state, uh, just come out, get some offense going in the second half and, you know, get on a roll and, and, and you make this thing a game. And, you know, as it turns out, um, that was the closest that we would, we would get. I mean, we came out three straight three and outs. Um, Ole Miss scored on each of their first three possessions, first to field goal, um, which by the way, at that point, it was only a six point game, right? You know, um, and then Penn State had to punt it away, and then Ole Miss scored a touchdown. Then Penn State had to punt it away. Ole Miss scored a touchdown, and you know before you know it, it's a three-score game. And and you know by that point, it's into the fourth quarter. Which, by the way, finally in the fourth quarter, we had our first completed pass to a wide receiver. It basically mirrored what was going on with the Ohio State game. 
It was an encapsulation opinion. of the entire season. Yeah. You know, it's it's a top 10. I mean, they were ranked number 11, but, you know, basically a top marquee matchup. Yeah. National audience. Yeah. You have a chance to, 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 to put on a show, a team that you've been preparing for a, for a while, you know, like I know how they all off season and like all the games leading up to it. Like we're not, you had that. Remember to, you had the bye week and yeah. UMass. Yep. No beforehand. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, and, and this is the best you can do. And then, you know, you, you man, you, you don't look great. You manage to go into halftime with it, with it close. And then you come out with whatever adjustments or lack of adjustments and you get yourself, you know, blown out of the water by the time that the, you get into the fourth quarter, you know, it just, and the know, conversation we, we t- around, you know, um, these two coaches coming into this game, you know, jockeying for a, you know, final top 10 ranking this season, but both coaches couldn't get it done in their biggest games. And guess what? Franklin, you know, epitomized that with his game and Kiffin got a, got a win against the top 10 team, you know? Yeah. Now, so you talk about moving parts, right? Yeah. And so you're dealing with opt outs, um, in a rolling fashion, perhaps you're also dealing with two vacant coordinator positions, um, and and Franklin was doing the coordinator hiring for um, Manny Diaz, you know, after that final game. So, you significant know, loss to not have Diaz call in the game. Absolutely, for sure. for absolutely. Sure. Or, not or only even preparation wise in the game. And that, correct. Yeah. Not only are you doing your you know your job search for your new defensive coordinator, but you're also trying to get you know an interim defensive coordinator. And I think they were co-defensive coordinators, Rob Most likely and Anthony Poindexter, you know, so like who was the first coach you said, I, I didn't catch what you Rob said. Smith. He was like a, an analyst. Oh, uh, oh, right. I, Oh, that's right. And by the way, he's gone now, right? Is he? I, 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 don't I thought maybe that. he, I, well, maybe I'm wrong, but I thought maybe, uh, Diaz plucked a, a couple of analysts, uh, to, to, to Duke. And I'm not, I, I, maybe Rob was not one of them, but, um, I'll, I'll look it up here real quick. Yeah. in, in any case, you know, th- those moving parts certainly hampered the preparation, but, um, you know, th- this was the worst defensive performance of the year by Penn State by far. Jackson Dart, you know, handed to him. He was a gamer. He was injured most of the game. Um, you know, he re-aggravated an ankle injury on like the second play of the game or whatever. He threw for 379 yards. Two receivers had over 130 yards. Ole Miss put up 540 yards on offense. Most yards, most passing yards, most points allowed by Penn State all season. They had and it wasn't close. Yards. That was like by far no, those stats. They had three hundred forty yards by halftime, bro. Yeah, yeah. So, it, it obviously played a critical role to have all these opt outs and have uh, these injuries and have um, you know players leaving in the, in the second half too. Um, but truly, I don't. I mean, and and our secondary was you know, exposed and, uh, you know, we had a young secondary, um, Cam Miller and, uh, who are the t- two young quarterbacks that were sharing reps over there as well. You know, you mentioned Daquan Hardy. He, that was a little disappointing that, that he, you know, gave up some big plays. Um, but, um, <clears throat> well, in any he case, probably, Daquan probably at a certain point started feeling the, the pressure that the other cornerbacks were just giving up so much. And Daquan probably ha- felt like he had to like, you know, play a different style with multiple then, positions. Yeah. Like he's covering time. has to cover more ground and then yeah. it leaves just more people open. Yeah. So, but, but you know, and Lane Kiffin talked about, you know, specifically exploiting, you know, the inexperience in our secondary. And they certainly did that, but I don't really put this on the defense. Um, you know, those guys got some reps that'll teach them a lot as they go into the next season. 
Um, but it's really on the offense. I mean, this was the offense that uh, outside of the offensive line, the offense that played all season. Most of these guys are coming back outside of Theo Johnson um, and Alo Fashionu, and they could get nothing going against a defense that was sort of middle of the pack nationally, you know. And to me, and this is what happened, I think, in the Ohio State and the Michigan games as well, is that the defense finally gave out. You know, they just oh yeah, the dam broke at a certain point, and, and, and if the and offense the holds. Broke, yeah, go ahead. If the offense hangs onto the ball, gets the scores, keeps the game close, it gives the defense a rest. It also yeah. gives them motivation to play hard and and to play with, um, you know, some purpose. And at a certain point, you just sort of you, you can't keep hanging on and bailing. And the while team the out. team is like you know going flat and 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 basically folding, you what you would expect and hoped. You would you would have expected and hoped that your fearless leader James Franklin would be on the sidelines firing up his team in these moments, especially. He actually in the first quarter there was they showed him on the sidelines in the game, and he he had he had some fiery moments on the sidelines when things like weren't going right um, for Penn State or the refs were just like making bad calls or whatever. But in the second half, Franklin was arms folded. Off to the side, away from Cody, our our buddy, um, took a picture and sent it to us. Like Franklin was disinterested in the second half once things started crumbling and did not display leadership qualities on the sideline that you would hope to have. And this is something we've seen in years past too. Um, and it it's it's bad optics wise. And yes, like by and large, Franklin is a hands off kind of guy, uh, at least when it comes to the defense, but. You know he's got his hand in the offense, and when the offense is out there, and you need them to get a, get a spark, why are why are you off to the side and and not like interjecting some of your own fire to like you know get the paddles and and you know what, what's it called when you you have the two paddles and you to bring someone back to <laughs> yeah. life? It's uh what what's that machine called? Um, yeah, the, I, not the CPR. No, uh, no, no. The, why can't I think of it? Defibrillator. <laughs> it's a diff- yeah, that's diff- it. Yeah, like a coach is like supposed to be getting yeah. your your boys going and it, boom. And bring him back yeah. to life. Well, that may be a little more Hollywood than real life, but like, maybe. I mean, it felt like <laughs> it did feel like Franklin was more subject to the momentum of the game than he was enter- interjecting. His lows go. His, you know, his his emotional lows on the sideline go with the team. He does yeah. not. He does not yeah. assert uh, uh, something contrary to that low when that. Well, and like there was, there was. A, I can't remember which team it was, but someone who talked about like basically he didn't even really have involvement in the game plan. This was maybe, you know, some other team, not Penn State, but basically talking about like how much, you know, the portal and the, you know, early signing day and all these other things. He's basically, look, I had to delegate that. Busy with other stuff. I get it. I guess. You wonder how much like Franklin's standing there and like, I don't okay, this even know what away. to say. Yeah, well, like, I don't even know what to say. I don't have anything to contribute. Like, I'm, you know, I'm my energy is spent. I, I'm, I'm not... I wasn't invested in this game plan. This in sounds the first like what place. Franklin and, apologists would say. Okay, I'm not I saying get, it's the I right the, thing. I, I, it's a thing, though, is what you're saying. It's a thing. All right, it's a thing. Um, so you know, and, hey, real quick, I, I, the Rob Smith, the co DC, um, yep. he is remaining with Penn State, as far as I know. Manny Diaz is taking two other analysts. Um, gotcha. So I didn't Pro- want to probably miss, the better ones. I miss. I'm well, actually, one <laughs> I just read it here. One of them is a guy named Gabe Infante, 
um, who was the head coach at St. Joe's Prep in Philly, whose two of his players were Kyle McCord and Marvin Harrison, and they won a state title together when Gabe Infante was there. And Franklin just hired Gabe Gabe Infante in the offseason last year. Oh, dang. He's a a big piece of his off-field puzzle. And so that 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 could bite us at some point. We'll see. Anyway, um, yeah. So so look look shifting back to the to the Peach Bowl. I mean, yeah. I think, I mean, we've talked about the Franklin issues in terms of game day um, posture, game day management, all this kind of stuff, and those things were clearly evident. You know, um, I, to me, I think there are two areas that we we just haven't really talked about very much, um, only touched on, and that is. Drew Aller and the wide receivers and the Sucked. passing game, the Sucked. passing game overall. Sucked. I mean, bad. <laughs> Sucked. Ba- super bad. Like, you know, and Drew Aller looked like he did in his worst games, which were Ohio State and Michigan. You which know? were, I mean, noon kickoffs and minus the Michigan game, away games. He's looked, <laughs> Aller's looked bad all year. You got to wonder, like, what? what is it? Is it? Is it the noon games? Is it the away games? Is it the quality of the opponent? Is it the game plan? Is it the fact of the wide receivers, you know, you've hit their ceiling, like, because they, you know, can't get separation. We've been talking about that all season. By the way, Dante Cephas did not play in this game. He was um, dressed, apparently, from what, you know, um, pregame conversations with the press. He was expected to be part of the game plan. He did not play once. And they said after the fact, like Franklin said something like, uh, it depends on like, you know, how you practice. That's, that's going to end up how much playing time you get. But even if you're like poor in practice, you don't expect that you wouldn't be seen at all. Um, so it seems like something happened in the lead up to the game that caused Cephas. I mean, the wide receivers were struggling and he didn't even take the field once. And yeah. Now he's in the transfer portal. Definitely a problem. <laughs> you know, so um, Kandre Lambert Smith, he was targeted one time. He dropped that ball that was in his hands. Uh, we already said it was until the fourth quarter before wide receivers finally got a catch. Uh, that was Liam Clifford. Uh, Trey Wallace eventually got a, a touchdown for us. He ended up getting injured by the end of the game. So, you know, the wide receiver room is a major, major problem. And it was just clear by, you know, through this game and by the end of this game, just how big of a problem that was. But, you know, Drew Aller, um, he did not look great. You know, he, (laughs) outside of a 75-yard, you know, catch and run that was a tipped ball to Tyler Warren, he, you know, his, his stats were very, very, uh, substandard, you know, in terms of an elite college quarterback, he looked befuddled a lot of time. He lost two turnovers, an interception, and uh, he put the ball on the turf. Um, he was sacked a number of times, and uh, you know, he did. You want to hope that next year things will change, but he sure did not look like the answer to Penn State's problem at quarterback that we've been seeing. You know, since you know, the Sean he, Clifford era of needing right. an elite QB to to get us over the hump. There's like ways of looking at Drew Aller's season, like statistically, where you can like make the case, like, hey, like maybe better days are on the horizon. You know, he he threw for you know, uh, what did he, I mean at the at the end of uh, the regular season? No, at the end of the season, including the bowl game, um, he threw for 2,631 yards, 25 TDs, only two interceptions, and his QBR 
OER was 26th in the country. How and he had a, he had a completion percentage of, um, I believe, just he was 59.9 percent. Which in your first year, going 10 and two in the regular season, like I guess you can look at it through that. But as I mean, you, it's not terrible. As, it's right, not but terrible. as you outlined it. Like what is necessary for Penn State to be getting over the hump? He did not do. He did not look remotely close to being the guy to to get Penn State over that hump. And certainly in the biggest games, when you need a quarterback to be a difference maker, well, well, because he was beca- not. Yeah, and it's because like uh, you know we were supposed to also have a really good running game too, and our running game did not. It took a step backwards, and so did our quarterback play. Um, compared, yeah. you know, Sean. Clifford and those two things still, are probably complementary factors, right? You know? Absolutely. So yeah. again, it's hard to know exactly how much of this is on Drew. You know, when when Drew had time and it opened receivers, he largely hit them. Yeah, but when he was facing pressure and receivers weren't open. He tended to panic and throw the ball away. And I also just think the offensive game plan did not remotely find ways to um, get our best playmakers heavily involved in the game plan. Like our, our tight ends had gr- a great season in my opinion, and they were underutilized. Like yeah. just, they just yeah. were like Tyler Warren had 125 yards, at least 125 yards in the game. I think, um, yeah, he had 127 yards, obviously the long of 75. If you remove the 75, uh, he still had over 50 yards. All right. And like that's that he needs to get the ball more. Jo- Theo Johnson only had two catches for 16 yards. Should have got him involved in the, in the play, um, uh, the game planning earlier in that bowl game, in my opinion. Especially since you knew he was going to be got to play the second half, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and, and we did get, um, you know, oh, get the running backs in the passing game going as well. But, you know, it's with regard to Drew Aller and this bowl game. It was just clear that he didn't have a spark, but right. who did have a spark when he came in? Bo Prabula had a spark. In fact, he got an important touchdown for Penn State um, in the game to make it a, to keep it a game. Um, you know, he, he when he came in in the second quarter, um, I believe he he put, he had the, the second touchdown of the game for Penn State, um, and it was first he ran for a touchdown on a, a couple of important. I'm sorry, ran for a first down on a on an important play, and then had uh, a, a, evaded a would be sack. Uh, tackle um, in the backfield and hit a an open singleton who made a nice play and ran it in for like a forty five or forty seven yard touchdown whatever it was um, and that yeah kept was, Penn State it, it was a game. great play and then in the design. second half when it was like triple back to back to back um, you know three and outs to start the second half you're thinking to yourself. Drew just doesn't have it right now, and and if we want to win this game, why not let the guy that already sparked you for your second touchdown? Yeah, I was and, surprised that we didn't see Prebula. You just come let in Drew and, drown himself, essentially. And, yeah, and like and and do some of it, like you know, the passing game wasn't there. They had lo- stacked the box for the run game. Yeah, give uh, Bo Prebula a chance to run the RPO game, and he and is get clearly big- better at running the RPO than Drew Aller is. And I'm not saying Drew Aller can't be a better person with with the RPO. But all season he did it does not it has not looked like a great fit scheme wise for him. No, I mean, and sadly, I think, sadly. again, you know, my take of the Peach Bowl is that it is a perfect um, microcosm of the season 
you know, there are some good things and good players and flashes of greatness, but against the best competition, you know, as you, you know, coming down the home stretch and you need critical plays, like whether it's chemistry or whether it was choking or whether it was game planning or coaching, you just didn't have the pieces that you needed to play the teams that were comparable to you physically speaking. We dominated teams that we were physically better than and against teams that were on par or slightly better than us. We just, we weren't able to put it together. And, you know, it's just like, you got to wash this, the taste of the season out of your mouth and and hope next year is a better opportunity than this year. Well, let's like, I, <laughs> Going into that game, I said to myself, and maybe to you and, and the others, that Drew Aller would need to have his, the best game of his season to 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 really position our, us to win the game, as well as position Penn State moving into the offseason to really, you know, have positive momentum going into Drew Aller's second and maybe final season. At this point, I don't know how he gets taken in the first round of next year's unless he pulls a, um, a um, Kerry Collins or something like that, right? Uh, which I've made the um, comparison before. Um, but so let's look back real quick, just real quick. You know, everybody calling for Drew Aller last season when Sean Clifford was showing signs of like not being the guy. Like, I think Sean Clifford, you can put it to bed, vindicated for being the starter all season last year. I think that's yeah, clear. Absolutely. And then, and then, especially when you go to last year's New Year's Six Rose Bowl game, Sean Clifford potentially had, I think you can make this claim without, you know, too much argument that Sean Clifford had the best game of his career in that Rose Bowl game. He got himself drafted in the NFL largely, I think, because of his performance in that game against a, could a be right. you know top ranked team. Um, so you know, again, that was his what fifth or sixth year, <laughs> sixth you know, year, sixth year, you know, um, four, fourth starting. You yeah. know, so so so, so like he, take that with a you know contextual grain of salt. There, this is Drew Aller's first starting season. A lot can be said to 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 you know wanting to be better and learning from this first year for Drew Aller, and maybe he puts it all together. But certainly, you know, I I think back to all those times I was like, put Drew Aller in last year. Like, wow, was were we way wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, way way well, wrong. You know, and like, let's let's not make the same mistake with Drew Aller as well, because um, he did uh, yeah. do a lot of good things, as you said. You know, twenty five touchdowns to two interceptions. Um, that's that's pretty special. Twenty sixth best passer rating in the country. Um, so yeah, we need someone to get us over the hump. But in the meanwhile, you know, he he had a a solid season, maybe is a way to put it. Um, mm, you know, average as far as what Penn State needed. Well, it's it's not up to the standard, but right. you know, it was it was a solid first effort and just didn't get us where we needed to go. He wasn't no. the, you know, Superman that we we were looking for and but he did not look not like say, a five-star jumping no. off the page. Uh, no, but it's not to say that he can't develop into something Correct. and um you know but again, can Franklin really, get a quarterback to do that is the question. It's really hard to know. Again, like, was it Drew? Was it the system? Was it the wide receivers? Was it the running game? What are the, th like, how much of it was on him and his decision-making and his playing versus all these other factors? Next year's going to tell part of the story because we're going to have a new offensive coordinator. We're going to have, um, you know, a new approach to things and, you know, may maybe we'll get something, you know, I, you know, we're talking offline about um, Josh Allen, who's had some really, really, 
you know, excellent um, seasons. This year's not been a great season for him and kind of inexplicably. When it comes to wins, losses, and turnovers, correct. But they did just secure the second seed last night by beating the vaunted Miami Dolphins. So Yeah, they came on strong late and, and they found something. But, you know, you, you got like five extra games in the NFL compared yeah, to um, college. Yeah. And it, you know, I'm just all I'm trying to say is that like, Having a, a slump for someone like Josh Allen doesn't mean he's not a great quarterback yeah. anymore. Just mean, I mean, look at J- Jalen Hurts. Look yeah. at uh, Patrick Mahomes. Right. So you, you know now those guys we already have proved, those guys have already proved it too for what it's worth. They have, and and certainly Drew hasn't. But it's just to say, like you know, there are other factors involved in how a quarterback performs besides just their own individual brilliance and talent. And, you know, maybe there's a possibility for Drew that well, um, he can have that kind of brilliance in the future. We'll, we're certainly hoping for it, but well, look, um, you know, we just don't know. We, we just can, don't know. We can hypothesize it all we want, um, but some other things... And I believe ha- we have. Uh, yeah, and, and we can, we'll continue to. Uh, but some good things did come out of the bowl game. You know, if you look at it through the... And we're going to get into a section here where we're looking forward here. And in the bowl game, some players played that got significant experience, um, you know, for moving forward. Um, namely, a couple guys in the offensive line, Anthony Donko. Um, uh, and uh, I, why am I? There's been a, a couple of linemen that got to play in the game. Um, that Did Javen Williams get, yeah, get yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it's just like, oh, Nick Dawkins got in the game, uh, who's going to be our, our, our starting center likely next year. Um, and some other, you know, we make we unfortunately for some of these cornerbacks like Cam Wall, uh, excuse me, Cam um, Miller. Miller uh, yeah, he got exposed a little bit, but uh, dude, Ole Miss's starting wide receivers are good. All three of them, and yeah, I mean, they, they these guys learned that they're going to need to work really hard to play yes. against top yeah. competition. Yeah. And I, I think, like, uh, you know, last year's Rose Bowl, uh, you know, and hey, go back to the Cotton Bowl back in 2019. It's like you had a great win. Maybe that gives you some overconfidence that sure. you realize. You know yeah. what we need to do. I love like, looking at it with a glass half full. Now we can we I can mean, make it sound like whatever we want <laughs> here. <laughs> leave right. I mean that. Yeah. I mean you could say, look, I guess we're not as good as we should be, Dante Cephas. I'm leaving. Yeah. But you know maybe you take it as motivation to say, hey, we're gonna work. I don't want to feel that way again. We felt that way three times this year, and this off season's got to be about erasing those feelings from you know because we've got a heck not of a letting schedule them define you, up. but but letting them drive you. A- absolutely. So yeah, you know, let's hope there's a little bit of that. Um, you know, coming coming out of this. Um, you know, just uh, again, sort of on the silver linings. By the way, this. Uh, read an article, I think it was uh, maybe by John Sauber in the Center Daily Times, uh, could have been uh, in the um, Athletic. But um, this game was the fifth time in Franklin's 10 years as head coach that he's won 10 games or more, five times. And he's made as many New Year's Six equivalent bowl games in the last 10 seasons as Penn State had in the previous 20 years before he came. So, you know, yes, it was a disappointing game. Yes, you would love to have seen a much better performance. Yes, you'd love to have the. He's raised rights. Penn State's like um, baseline bar. 
He's uh, doubled it, effectively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's ready. I'm, I'm saying he has certainly raised it, which means higher expectations. Which means when he doesn't, when you don't meet them, then you are certainly feeling like, uh, oh, you know, the sky is falling in Happy Valley. But yeah, you I know, mean, Ole Miss, by the way, they were elated to be able to make this game. They did not think they were going to get a New Year's Six. It was only kind of the the late edition of Alabama. Expectations were different for Ole Miss, and here they had an opportunity to have their best season in Ole Miss history against Which a they, tenth ranked Penn State team. In the you're Big welcome, Ten. Ole Miss. Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome, Franklin. You know, couldn't play any of his best players. You're welcome. But you know, for Penn State, it was kind of like. Old hat. I was like, uh, another New yeah. Year's six yeah, yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I, just I, I'm to, with you. It says like that's where the expectations are sure. around the program right now. So Absolutely. again, I think that's a silver lining. Well, look, um, let's move on. We've got a couple of mailbag entries, and let's uh, let's go ahead and turn to that mailbag now and uh, see what uh, some of our listeners have to say. Mailbag time. So, uh, first entry is from uh, Sue Rapine. Sue Rapine. Sue Rapine. It's it's Rapine or Rapine, I think, <laughs> and both are acceptable. And if I got the second one or one of them wrong, I'm sorry, Sue. We are very uh, happy that that you're one of you know our what? regulars. Next season, we're just going first names for the mailbag. Sue, nice to have you. <laughs> yes, Sue, thanks for writing in. Sue uh, us for says, not getting your last name right. I'm sorry. She says this. Hi, guys. I wasn't planning to send you any emails following our painful disappointment in the Peach Bowl. But, but she couldn't help herself. <laughs> she said, I just heard something that really bothered me. I'd like your thoughts. It has to do with the old Miss staffer who created a fake Penn State social media account. One of the tweets said, quote, Kobe King said Ole Miss will wish they had never had to play us after we do what we came here to do. They can have that belt. We'll embarrass them on the field. She goes on to say that this was used to motivate the Ole Miss players. I know that all is fair in love and war, but is that going too far? It absolutely is going too far. Um, I And, and, Kiffin was lauded for this. Like people were like, Oh, we love it. You're trying to motivate your own team. You like, you took one of our players and you made him say something that he didn't say. And that's wrong. Like that's, that's just wrong in my opinion. Yeah. And he got injured in the game on top of it. Like couldn't even finish out the game. So uh, that's a bad look. Um, and, and even after the game was over, the staffer or that account made another, um, like post, and I forget exactly what it was, but it was like, I guess I lo- no longer need this account, and that was their final sign off. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Lane Kiffin is known for his, you know, um, antics and shenanigans, and you know, I guess this is some of what he you, didn't denounce you get. it. It certainly felt like it was directed from above, um, from his staffer, whoever they were. I forget their name. Yeah, but they weren't. Kiffin like a, was they at least a, in on the joke, if not yeah. like directing it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I didn't. I didn't like it. I, you know, I don't, I, I don't necessarily, I, I'm okay with having some fun on social media. I'm okay with like, you know, but you don't use to another li- player on the no. other side of the field as like the tool to use as manipulation. Like that. Yeah, and it wrong. wasn't like done in like good natured ribbing. Like there's no, a way to do this. That's kind of funny. Like you could create like, like a funny he did with the opt outs earlier. Yeah. Right. No. But this, this to me, I think was, was over the line. And, um, you and know, no one will I, remember it. No one will remember. No it one will remember State it. Players, I, you know. Yeah, I, I think 
I think the thing is like, you know, if, if we would meet up with Ole Miss again, you'd probably remember something like that. But, uh, you know, unless it's next year in the 12 team playoff, you're probably not going to have an occasion to, to, to bring that back around. It's probably just as well. Yeah. All right. Um, so we got another entry from, from Scott. No last name. I'm just, just calling no Scott, Scott Hagerman. We got, we got one from Scott Hagerman here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he needs his last name. Fine. We'll do <laughs> last names this year. Um, since, since we're closing it out. Um, he says, uh, Hey guys, hope you had a joyous Christmas and new years with your family and friends. I'm looking forward to a better year in 2024. I hope he's referring to Penn state and not hey, we're like undefeated in 20 circumstances. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because we played in 2023, actually. Right. That's new very, year's very not, good point. Not new year's six. Right. Um, he said, uh, although not all was bad this past year, I had some trying times to get through. Oh, Scott, sorry to hear that. Um, hope 2024 is a better year for you as well. Um, he goes on to say, so what the bleep happened on Saturday at the Peach Bowl? Was it the noon start jinx? Except for the first quarter, the scene seemed to just lose their interest in the game. It felt like the tail end of the 2021 season again. Ugh. Yeah, Gross. it didn't feel good. No. Um, that's just a comment. So he, he goes on to have a question for us. This will be a nice kind of lead into sort of looking ahead. Uh, his question is, which team would you like to see win the college football playoff championship? He says, I'm pulling hard for the Huskies. I would like to see Alabama lose in the semifinal. Hey, you got your wish, Scott. Uh, and then Washington win over Michigan in the final. Cheers. And I hope you guys will continue the podcast in 2024. I plan to keep tuning in. Well, yeah, here's Jim Harbaugh on the biggest stage of his college coaching career. Um, Do you think he's going to pull out a fresh pair of khakis for this game? Uh, he's going to have pull a fresh pair of receiver gloves. He's going to have a fresh pair of Nike or uh, yeah, Jordan cleats. Um, I assume he's probably gonna have some fresh boogers to be eating during the game. Um, <laughs> and if you don't know what I'm talking about, he literally was caught on national TV eating a booger <laughs> on the sidelines of a Michigan game one time, a couple years back. Uh, anyways, so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I can understand the picking cause he, sometimes <laughs> but then the eating. Just- and he I was know. doing it like discreetly, like he like no one's ever gonna see this. <laughs> and he's just like <laughs> the camera was right on him. <laughs> anyway, Harbug does not <laughs> deserve to win a national title yeah. this season or any season for that matter. But this season alone, like it would be just so bad for college football if they, they, they go on to win a national title after he's you know half the season he was um, suspended the first three and the last three games of the season suspended Um, you know multiple multiple um, allegations of cheating on various fronts in various years Um, had to fire you know there's FBI stuff happening with with his uh, assistants and all kinds I mean the the stuff and their team behind the scenes it feels a little bit like Ohio State during the uh, Urban Meyer era yeah where stuff was just happening and it's like uh, gotta gotta get out, you yeah. know, and so and so, t- trending for Jim Harbaugh to be, you know, heading off to the NFL at this point, which I hope he has as good a career and a second stint as Urban Meyer did in his first. I don't care what he does in the NFL; that's irrelevant to me. Uh, I do, I, I, I do not. Unless he somehow becomes the Pittsburgh Steelers head coach, and then he has to play against his brother, you know, year to year. That would be actually would be interesting, just from that perspective of playing his brother twice a year. I would. 
truly hate having him as a head coach uh, at Pittsburgh. Um, but I guess, you know, um, memory can be short when it comes to just having your team win games. Are you, are, uh, are you like pre-rationalizing I don't know. having Jim Harbaugh <laughs> coach the Steelers? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Help me, Andy. Um, anyway. Well, so, look, I think speaking of the, the championship game, like, yes, there's the I'm rooting against Michigan, but yes. truly I am rooting for Washington. I agree as well. I, I really like this Washington team. Washington is the kind of team I think Penn State aspires to be in that, like, they're not one of the blue bloods, although they have a very proud history. You know, they've got a coach who's trying to do it the right way. You know, this is a roster that is not made up of uh, former five stars and four stars like, you know, Alabama and Ohio State well, and both Georgia. Michigan and um, Washington are below a certain threshold of like the Alabama's, Clemson's, and Georgia's when it, and Ohio State's when it comes to that upper echelon of four and five stars both teams were are below where texas and um uh alabama were from a, a talent roster perspective yeah interesting um which, um, is, which is really interesting that for this game especially that you have um two totally different types of teams by the way offensively yeah. speaking and defensively speaking and then you also get no sec team and and you you just ha- it's just such a totally different um, vibe going in, but they're, they're the two undefeated teams in the the only two undefeated teams in college football, which I love, and the number one and number two. Um, yeah, also it just again rubs it in the face of the college football playoff selection committee, totally. Who who somehow leapfrogged Florida State? Right. You know, it's like both of these teams showed that they couldn't. They couldn't make it, you know. I think if Alabama or Texas, I mean, even had holding in, Georgia out, you also kind of maybe even looks a little yeah. bad too. You know, the yeah, def- two-time defending national champions. It's like it just shows they don't know what they're doing. But anyway, yeah, yeah. It's the, the two teams that not only are they the best records, not only do they win their semifinal games, but they also, in a lot of ways, are the most deserving. Well, the, oh, the cheating, the, the deserving part is where I was going before I, I with Harbaugh and Michigan. This I team think, is built on a foundation of cheating, and you cannot quantify You sit on that. a throne of lies. Totally. Like the, it, it totally what the Elf says to the they, And that's that. why, that's the number one reason why Harbaugh is going to end up heading to the NFL. Obviously, this is... You know, we don't know that for certain, but uh, you know the bet the betting people are betting on that. Um, hey, well, and, look, you derailed me when I was talking about Washington, but you derailed you me know. originally when I was talking about Jim Harbaugh. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you know, Washington is a team I want to root for. I think they're the kind of Absolutely. team that Penn State aspires to be a team that is built on you know sort of family values. Yeah, a trying team. To- a team. A team. Yeah, a team team, a true team. Yeah. Uh, not cheat. a bunch of weirdos like Jim Harbaugh's <laughs> acolytes, but yeah. like, you, you know, uh, guys who kind of ha- have come together. They're they're punching above their weight class in terms of talent. They, they uh, you know, are making interesting things happen. They're creative on offense. They're solid they on also, defense. They were also underdogs every yes. step of the way while right. they were remaining undefeated and playing Oregon a second time and still an underdog in, in the... Just, Which, again, that feels very much like Penn State. Like, yeah. nobody believes in yeah. Penn State when push comes to shove. Penn State's dying to change that narrative. Yeah. And I think Washington's a kind of team that you see... Um, you know, they've done that through the season. I'd love to see them uh, go ahead and, and you know, make it official. By the way, 
uh, both of these teams will be in the Big Ten next year. Yeah. So, so, so not only is it be inter- playing a, a a possible national champion next year in Washington, or at the very least, a national title contender in the game itself. And who knows if Penn State ends up playing Michigan, uh, possibly next season in a in a conference championship game. We could very possibly, not likely, but possibly have two. You know, both national cont- title contenders on our schedule next year. It's wild. And and I think it also is a black eye on all of uh, college football power brokers if Washington wins because, you know. That's another reason why you room for the, the Washington Huskies to win this game is like, yeah, s- slap the face of all the networks who turned down the Pac-12 or basically, in, in you know, in, through back channels, dismantled the Pac-12 so Look that what other- you've done. Right. Look, look what you've done. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I do think that that would be the, the ultimate slap in the face, even though they might not give a crap about it, whoever they are. Um, if the, if a PAC 12 champion goes undefeated, you know, and, and be, beats them all the best, the best coaches and the best teams all along the way. Yeah. Um, all right, Scott. Well, thanks for writing in. Um, we do hope you have a better 2024 and we're grateful for your uh, commitment to listen uh, when we start up again in 2024. Um, we are planning to do that and we're looking forward to it. Um, so yeah, let's close up that mailbag, bro, and um, spend our last few minutes talking about a look ahead to next year. So I guess the first thing that we should probably just touch on briefly is what the team will actually look like from a roster perspective. Um, now, we aren't going to talk about the incoming uh, players from the the early signing day because um, we just don't have the full class in yet, and um, we didn't have time to go over it. Yeah, maybe there'll about be that. one or more uh, players in the traditional signing period at the end of this month. So exactly, we'll see. Um, but um, we'll talk about that at an episode we're going to do um, around the spring game. But just kind of close out sort of this season. We've got some portal things to to update you all on, and then also some some draft declarations or you know. Uh, information about guys coming back. Um, first, the portal. Um, probably the biggest news is that Julian Fleming, a former five-star recruit from Pennsylvania, um, who is, uh, you know, spent four years at Ohio State, just graduated from Ohio State this winter. Um, he is confirmed and now committed to Penn State uh, for his final season of eligibility. Speaking former of our number wide receiver one Penn room. St- Pennsylvania overall recruit. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, in that vein, former Pennsylvania number one overall recruit, five star Nolan Rucci, who went to Wisconsin, which was a loss for Penn State in the in that recruiting class that he uh, went to. Was he, he's been at Wisconsin for two years now. Um, and he, uh, his by the way, his parents both went to Penn State. His dad was a Penn State letterman on the football team. Um, so he, it was, it was a tough loss to, to have him go to Wisconsin. But here he comes back. And here we have two of, uh, two five stars coming in, which, you know, a week ago, we didn't even know what was going on with the portal. We just knew we needed players in the portal. And here we got two big ones coming in. 
Yeah. Um, another uh, portal, um, also from Wisconsin, a um, guy named Jordan Mayer. Um, he's uh, an edge rusher, originally from Claritin, Pennsylvania. Um, he he played at Wisconsin last year, redshirted. He's coming back, um, you know, former three-star recruit. And um, so he's going to add some depth to the defensive line. I think we may have already talked about uh, kicker Chase Meyer from Tulsa. Um, he was a third-team All-American in his conference. Um, as place kicker. Um, and so he'll be coming in to kind of compete with Sanders Hadak. Um, already mentioned uh, guys departing. Um, the only new one is Dante Sivas. This was a surprise. I think the team expected to have him back. I, I, I'm not sure what's going on. Um, totally unclear um, what, what the cause is for that. But I think that's, pro- you know, he started to come on late in the season. That's a hit for the Penn State receiver room. Unclear whether that's something you know, because Julian Fleming's coming in or maybe because his former head coach um, is now a head coach um, at uh, San Diego State or maybe just stuff around the Peach Bowl stuff went down. We don't know. Uh, don't necessarily need to speculate. But yeah, Dante Cephas is in the portal. Expectation would be that he will not be with as the team of a next day, year. As of a day ago, uh, just for what it's worth, um, there's been some rumors that he, he Kansas State is making a push for him um, and as well as possibly Alabama. Um, so we'll see. Wow. We'll see where he ends up going. I don't know what. It's stra- no. strange to, to think that he that a, a team better than Penn State could lure away a guy that kind of just was not you know, a, a significant part of this passing attack by any stretch. Yeah. Um, you know, one other note for the portal, we are apparently in the hunt for a guy named AJ Harris. He's a former five-star cornerback who's currently with the Georgia Bulldogs in the portal. Um, people are strongly suggesting he will be a Penn State commit, although that's not official at this Getting point. a little bit of a concern here now, though, on Monday, as I think classes at Penn State began today, and yep. a, a lot of our the incoming recruiting class, which we'll get into in the spring, uh, 16 players from that class are you know in their seat 15 minutes, 10 minutes before their first class, you know, rogering up to, to Franklin on social media that, hey, we're here, but you like to think that a guy like uh, AJ Harris would have declared at this point. So we're hopeful that there's not going to be a curveball with him because we definitely need help at the cornerback position with three Yeah, that guys would be a departing. huge get to have that kind yes. of talent. Yes. Um, to shore up some of the, um, yeah, some of the young guys. Who, we have three who, starting cornerbacks heading to the NFL. That's what we've got. And we need, yeah. you know, as Cam need Miller might be good, might be, Cam Miller might be great, but um, it sure looks like we need some help there. Um, Going to the draft, um, we've already heard from a couple of guys, um, Kalen King, Johnny Dixon, Alu Fashionu, Curtis Jacobs, Alex Falcons, Theo Johnson. We knew these guys were going to the draft. Um, added to that since the Peach Bowl, Daquan Hardy and Trey Potts. Um, we have some guys that are returning. These are some pretty big names for next year. Um, Devon Ellis, Hakeem Beeman, and Tyler Warren, which I think is a, a huge news for Penn State's tight end room. It, that is a big deal for us. All three of those um, are a big deal for us, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then there are a couple of guys that that are some question marks. We'll have to kind of update you, um, you know, next year. Um, Jalen Reed, Sal Warmly, and uh, speaking of the wide receiver room, Keandre Lambert Smith. He apparently yeah. has another year of eligibility. Oh, he does. Nobody's he does. heard. Nobody's heard about him at all. Yeah, and he uh, didn't have any 
<laughs> amazing stat of the we didn't even bring this up. The most amazing stat from the Peach Bowl is that Drew Aller had more receptions to Drew Aller than he had to his season's number one and number two wide receivers. Keandre Lambert Smith <laughs> and of course Stevis didn't play, but Keandre had one target and he dropped a ball. What would have been a first down? Um, he played in the game the whole game, and now you know he. I don't know what's going on there. I, there's been rumors that he might transfer. Uh, I don't believe he'll he'll be drafted if he declares for the draft. He needs some help. <laughs> um, but you know, I don't know what he is as a leader of that wide receiver room. Um, I. TBD. We'll we'll wait to hear. I I think if we he could, comes back, he could be the number three receiver behind Julian Fleming and Trey Wallace. I I think that's entirely possible. As a, a healthy Trey Wallace, by the way. Yes. Um, well, now if, if so, Trey Wallace is healthy, so, and I didn't mean to necessarily talk about this, and we won't get into it right now. We'll probably talk about it a lot more come summer and preseason and all that. But with a a new offensive coordinator coming in, th- this wide receiver room requires a complete reset. And what better way to do it than having a complete offensive, you know, um, reset with a new OC coming in? It is going to be critical for Marquise Haggins, the wide receiver who, uh, sorry, wide receiver coach who that this was his first season. Season two is going to be make or break for Marquise Haggins and and, and with this OC. So so you really hope well, that like you know. You could, we we um who was the guy that we let go um the the former wide receiver coach uh, uh Tyler yeah. Stubblefield yeah Taylor Stubblefield yep um you know and you would have expected that you know as bad as this he fired was, him because of how because bad of, the wide receiver room was and we have gone backwards right. since that moment and right. and Taylor or sorry um uh Fleming Julian Fleming I think personally will be heavily relied upon to come in and be the new leader of the wide receiver room as a, you know, senior guy who's been in big games at Ohio state. You know, I think, you know, whether or not he's going to be the guy who gets a thousand yards with Penn state is irrelevant. I think leadership on the offense and in that wide receiver room, you know, trying to emulate a guy who, who does all the little things, right. Um, I think it's going to be very critical to to the offense and the, and that I room. think so. I mean, you, you want someone who can, um, you know, lead by example as well as I almost um, want vocally. KLS to leave. Uh, you know, I and that's I don't know the kid and I don't know his story, um, but it didn't appear to me this season that he had the leadership qualities to making the entire room better by like leading by example. There were some off off the field scuffles happening. Uh, sorry, uh, practice squad field scuffles happening in the preseason and just some things. Some of his remarks in the post uh, post game um, from the peach bowl just didn't give me a warm and fuzzy about uh like what he was as our quote-unquote number one wide receiver i mean the guy disappeared from the last like month and a half of the season yeah very very odd um you know i mean so the wide receiver room uh as as a as a group i mean we've got to get much much better i mean you you look at Ole miss for example or you look at washington you know even you know i mean look at ohio state like all of these teams even a team like michigan that's not built around the pass they've got you know difference making receivers and once you get outside of the tight end group like who's that guy for penn state we just don't have it thankfully um, thankfully i think the the o line position actually has a chance to remain very good 
Um, I, we have we got a lot. You know, the five star Nolan Rucci coming in. Um, I, Anthony Donka looked great in the bowl game. Um, Nick Dawkins had some great plays in the bowl game. We have guys replacing some of these outgoing guys. That, that maybe you'd be like, oh, I'm concerned losing this many people on the O line. But again, I think we have a lot of incoming guys that that have a legitimate promise. And and um, I look to the O line as maybe being uh, holding serve. Uh, but where we really need a leap forward. Is that wide receiver room? It's it's, yeah. it's no and, question. And I would just say the passing game overall. Yeah, you know, yeah. like is Andy Kotelnicki going to be able to unlock Drew Aller as a talent? Yeah. You know, are we going to be able to you know kind of open up the the middle of the field? Are we going to be able to exploit the downfield passing game? Are we going to be able to get? Or are we going to be able to have a dynamic like, running game? Well, Again. I'm talking about the passing game. <laughs> I know, right but now, because right? the passing game typically in this it, 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 like opens up an RPO offense, right? Sure. So, I mean, uh, what you know, the downfield passing, the the open passes in the middle of the field, and the easy quick hitters, you know, for you know, guaranteed four and five yard uh, gains. Like we we didn't have any of those things. Everything was a struggle, mm-hmm. you know, certainly including to the wide receivers, but even, you know, out of the backfield into the tight ends. It just felt like there, there was almost never a chance where you felt like you could count on getting an open pass and an easy completion. You know, it, I mean, and when you did, it was sort of was like uh, such a rarity. It, it didn't allow you to build on it. You know, most of our our really meaningful drives happened because we were chunking. We weren't chunking. We were we were you know grinding. You know, four and five yard we were gains d- through dinking. And we weren't we chunking. Were we were dinking and dunking. Yeah. Right. We we weren't chunking. We were dunking. We weren't dinking and chunking. <laughs> we were just dinking and dunking. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, you you, you hope, um, you know, Coach K is going to um, really transform the passing game. Um, and, you know, again, look, if, if our wide receiver room is not going to be great, can we at least get enough production out of them to keep defenses honest? You know, can we utilize the tight ends in such a way that we can, you know, exploit the middle of the field? Can we get our running backs out of the backfield? I mean, Nick Singleton, you already mentioned it, that great um, touchdown catch from Bo Prabula. Um, you know, can we find ways to get these guys going? Oh, and by the way, if we haven't already mentioned those guys both already declared they're coming back emphatically with no like contrary. Well, yeah. We like, think we talked about that. At yeah. I just wanted to, I wanted the podcast, bands to be clear. Very good that point. In this, in this episode. Yeah. I mean, in this era of the, of the portal, it's important to recognize that. Um, yeah, as far as today. we can <laughs> tell, as far as we can tell, other than Dante Cephas, there are no major contributors to Penn State's team. Um, it will that be are. interesting to see what other, if Penn State has any more transfer portal additions after, after the, the spring, spring semester with a new yeah. OC on yeah, board I think now. You're right. we'll, 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 mm-hmm. Who knows? I mean, some and, of these guys are the waiting new... to hear about, to, to work with this OC, to talk to him, to have a full semester offseason with him to, to see if they actually want to stick with his team. You never know. Yeah, and the new recruits coming in yeah. Uh, yeah. For, the, for the spring ball, you know, where it's like, you know, maybe they they can see that. Yeah. You know, I'm not getting playing time. You know, like mm-hmm. who is it, Kaziah Holmes, or um, you know, some of our running backs, like basically uh, uh, Devin Ford, for example. Like they went into the portal. It's like they saw these guys and they're like, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to keep my spot. So yeah. uh, it's possible, but at at the moment, 
um, most of the co- major contributors on offense and defense who are eligible to return um, and not going to the NFL are seem like they're coming back. And with regard um, to Cephas, uh, the, the big knock on Cephas was he wasn't able to get in to Penn State in January. Fleming is on campus in class, going to uh, be you know part of that room as of today. So getting Julian yeah. uh, on Fleming in with the new OC, I think is going to pay dividends when, you know, September rolls around. So the two, two other things I just want to touch on real quick with regard to next year. Um, you know, I, I think first of all, there are a lot more questions going into this coming year than there were this past year. And, and of course, um, you know, things didn't work out the way that we wanted. Maybe we should have been asking more questions, but we've got two new coordinators, uh, Tom and Andy, Tom and Andy helm. <laughs> um, so, you know, the unknowns are pretty significant and a lot of the knowns aren't quite that encouraging, you know, like uh, Drew's first season, for example. Now we know what kind of quarterback Drew is. Um, it, that doesn't make you feel great. You know, hopefully Andy Connellnecke can elevate him. But, um, you know, Tom Allen, um, hopefully he'll keep the the defense at the level they've been playing. Um, but um, going to be missing a lot of the strength in the back end. And, and that could be a problem for us as we're going to face teams like Washington and Ohio State and USC. the Dairy Raid from Wisconsin and USC. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, there are four, um, four teams in the middle of our schedule that are going to be significant passing might attacks. might be playing six um, ranked teams next year. I we, want to talk about the schedule in a moment, but sure. like just before that, yeah. let's just talk briefly about the fact that we have two new coordinators sure. on the offense and defense and, and what that level of uncertainty is going to do for us well, as fans and for the team, you know, as they, prepare. I don't know. I like expectationally, um, Vegas will set a win total over under of like this year it was nine and a half and we went with the over at 10, you know, we, we, we met, we met the over, but like that's Penn state wanted to go 11 and one at the, at, at least Penn state fans wanted to go 11 and one. At least, um, we wanted to have an opportunity to play for a big 10 championship and a possible, you know, entry into the CFP. Um, so, but expectationally, like I, I think that we could be looking at like an over under at like, eight and a half or even seven and a half. (laughs) Like maybe, I mean, I don't know. So my personal expectations as they stand today are, are lower than they were for this. As of right now, they're lower than they were going into this season. Like I think, I think going nine and three feels more likely than going 10 and two. And even still like eight and four doesn't feel off the table. So um, the yeah, schedule is going to be difficult, is, and, and some of that is new this OC uncer- and DC. Yeah, yeah. Some of that is this uncertainty, and some of that is the reality of the schedule. Yeah. And and the shame about it is like you've got Drew Aller, Nick Singleton, Katron Allen, Abdul Carter. You know, they're all in their true junior years. Like, mm-hmm. first of all, this should be their year. Yeah. And secondly, like this might be our last year with a lot of these. Guys. Andy, this year could be the undoing or solidifying uh, for James Franklin with regard Certainly. to what his future looks like. Now, I'm not saying they'll fire him after next year if he doesn't meet expectations or exceed expectations, but like the cascading effect, the butterfly effect of how this next season goes. And, and I, and it was all dependent upon this season, how this season went too. Yeah. you know, uh, he, he's opportunities are starting to dwindle for him. 
Yeah, we said it at the time, but the the hire of the offensive coordinator um, is probably the most significant hire. And like he, I don't think Andy Connellnecki is going to get a, a mulligan Long year. Leash. He's, I, I don't think he's going to get a you know a honeymoon year where it's like okay, let's figure it out and we'll do better next year. I mean, I mean, he already screwed up with 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 the last two. That's basically like Recky Ronnie is better than the last two offensive coordinators we've had. Mike Kirk Chiraka. Right. Obviously, it was a problem. Like it didn't work out. Was it the was it COVID or whatever? I don't know. I don't care. It just didn't work out. Franklin fired him same day. Hired Mike Yursich or whatever. Um, and Yursich three years of basically not living up to expectations. So yeah. Um, so I, I mean, I, I think it's biggest the offense has got a the offense has got to find a way to be highly productive this year in the most important games. You you gotta. The, the offense has got to look good against the best teams this year. And the, the three best teams that we played, you know, Michigan, Ohio State, Ole Miss, the offense looked putrid. True. And we, we're going to need to look a lot more like Ole Miss looked against us. We're going to need to look a lot more like we looked against Michigan State and the teams, you know, the best teams that we play. Um, and, and so I do, th- I mean, yes, our defense has got to be, we're not going to be as good as this past year. I it's, it's going to be impossible to be as good. Uh, I don't know. Um, I mean, we'll see. We, we will see I, Andy. Like hopefully we can be in the same ballpark as we were the last two years. I think yeah. if we can be in the same ballpark, the defense has not been losing us games. Right. You know, yeah. it's the offense. They, they've for been, sure. they've been keeping us in games and the games that we've lost is because the offense has failed. <laughs> we've averaged 18, 18- Point three points in our three losses this year, eighteen point three points. Right. All right. And, not, and then again, the rest not this- only is that not only is that keeping you know points off the board, but it's giving the defense. Um, excuse me, giving the other teams' offenses more opportunities um, to score. You know, and and, and it's keeping our defense um, engaged at a high level for longer and longer and the dam breaks. That's what's happened. It, our the, defense the last was, few our years. defense was allowing on average 27.3 points in those three losses. The one 27 loss to 18, you, the one loss you can really sort of say the defense caused problems uh, as much or more so than the offense was Michigan uh, back in 2022, you know, and we just let them run to for over 400 yards. That was the one I think like, well, geez, the the defense really let us down. Indiana game this year, there was another one. It's like, what is the defense doing? But by and large, it's been the offense that has kept us from winning these big games. And it's got to happen this year or, you know, <laughs> Uh, yeah, you don't know what's next because these critical high-level playmakers seat will get hot. On, yeah, under and not Franklin. only that, not only that, but like again, I mean, maybe maybe Drew and Nick and uh, Katron and these guys come back. You know, I mean, if they but, if they don't have the season they want, but they're getting like high draft grades, they're gone. Port, they're they're gone, or they're portal. You know, yeah. like Franklin so, has a monumental job, uh, like at his doorstep as of right now, preparing for this next season, it, yeah. it is going to take a couple of miracles to, to get, to, to get Franklin back on the good side of fans and maybe his, you know, athletic director. Cause you know, this athletic director, Pat Kraft didn't, first of all, this guy swings for fences um, and he didn't hire James Franklin. All right. And you're putting together a uh, nearly billion dollar 
a stadium renovation project coming up in the next five years or so. You don't want to have a, a, you know, a simmering head coach on the sidelines when yeah. you're trying to unveil this new Beaver stadium. Uh, Penn State you want a wants national to be... ca- title caliber team and coach, you know, playing, playing in Beaver stadium. Absolutely. Penn State wants to be in the position that Washington is this year. Penn State wants to be in the position Georgia's been in the last few years. A team that is, you know, solid and elevate to the level where you're, you know, playing in and winning national championships. The one thing Franklin has not shown us that he can do or or has done at least is rewrite his script like he he himself has not like like made like like even nick saban when he was winning national titles had to change to meet like the the new game like his offenses were just like ground and pound winning national titles because the rest of his his defenses were incredible but he jared henry run the wide uh heisman that year right Right. he had he had mark ingram win a heisman in another year too um and you know he his Quarter, he started getting dynamic quarterbacks with dynamic offensive play callers. So that's what is required in this day and age. That is what is required of Franklin to, to basically, he needs a quarterback and offensive system that is winning you games in this day and age. He, and Franklin has just not figured out how to, how to change that. In, in his repertoire, in his resume, he his he just hasn't changed yep. as a coach yet. Under un, uh, you know, I look back on coach. this season and and our our schedule and like this was the year, man. The the, the fruit was very low hanging. Exactly. Now, granted, <laughs> exactly. Granted, like I, I looked at those you know semifinal games. I Penn State was not prepared to play in either of those against any of no, those No, not this you know, team. <laughs> like, like, you know, but like our schedule was lined up for us to get in sure. this past year. Yeah. You know, we had nobody to beat except for Michigan and Ohio State. We beat ourselves. And, and we came close to beating them. Yeah. Um, but we couldn't make it happen. And now, bro, this coming year, the level of difficulty multiplies uh, you know, I, I I don't know how to quantify it, but just, you know, look at this. We, we're playing West Virginia, who's coming off of a, a very solid season. They'll be ranked to start their, the season, I bet you anything, and Morgantown's going to be on fire for a Penn State win. A lot of their productivity is back, yeah. and it's possible West Virginia could be a ranked team coming into that game. Uh, and then we've got a couple of games, uh, four straight games at home, um, including our first two big 10 games uh, versus Illinois and versus UCLA should be manageable. But then we go into a four game stretch, bro. Oh my goodness. At USC at Wisconsin versus you versus Ohio state at home. And then versus potentially national champion, Washington, at home, those four games right there in a row. Um, I mean, the level of difficulty is extremely significant. Uh, you know, w- any of two of those teams would have, you know, been a-, a significant effort this year for us. I, you know, I don't know that we beat any of those teams if they, if we, this year's team plays them, right. you know, yeah, <laughs> we have four of them and they're in a row. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's an, um, it'll it, be an undertaking. It's going to so, be very difficult. You know, add add that to the West Virginia game to start, and then we finish against Maryland, a team that you know 
I don't know if they're on the rise. Tally is in the transfer portal, but <laughs> yeah, you know, Tally is going to Bama. He's going back. Maryland has to Maryland has to play in the same league that we're playing in this year. But you know, it's possible. It's possible that Maryland's just having a strong season. I mean, they dismantled Auburn in you know their bowl game, and so you know maybe even that last game of the year is a tough one, uh, Penn State versus uh, Maryland uh, in Beaver Stadium. So I, I'm a, I'm inclined to believe it won't be, but you never know. I mean, look at this team that we're fielding with all of the unknowns. You can certainly see a scenario where our team has been sort of floundering and falling apart. And and yeah, well, we you, have I players mean, opting out of our final game against Maryland. Is that what you're trying to say, Andy? <laughs> I mean, like you said, eight and four is is maybe a good result maybe. for this team next year. Now, look. There's a lot of unknowns, including like what this team is going to look like under these two coordinators. How is it all going to come together? What are the um, incoming freshmen going to do in terms of um, filling out our roster and making contributions this year? And we are going to do a little bit more of uh, of that look at a, a our our podcast. Um, around the spring game. We don't have it scheduled yet. We don't know exactly when it's going to be. Um, but our first season, sort of it's like our, our bridge episode, you know, for the 2024 season, we're going to do something in the spring and we'll look at, ahead a little more closely. But bro, this is going to be a monumental, monumental effort to, to get this team competitive for this upcoming year. Yeah. Um, so, and by, and with that, you know, we wanted to have our good buddy, Joel Bettner here, um, for, uh, the final by the numbers, like it wasn't going to be where we were going to be picking numbers or anything like that. Uh, but we were going to go over the results of our last episodes by the numbers, as well as the tiebreaker, uh, possible tiebreaker if, if, if needed from the preseason. But so we'll have Joel, um, he had, he had a, a meeting that he couldn't get out of, unfortunately, um, while we we were recording this, so we we will miss you until spring, Joel. But we'll we'll surely go over those numbers uh, and maybe have some fun um, with that. Uh, in addition to to tracking who won for the season, yeah. So look for us um, around the spring game. Um, we will uh, certainly be looking forward to engaging with you then, and then of course um, for the twenty twenty four season. Boy, twelve uh, team always- playoff coming in hot. I mean, it's going to be a t- <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a totally different. I mean, new, brand new look, Big Ten. Uh, it's going to be an interesting season. Whatever It'll be happens, exciting for sure. I, I, there will be a lot of hype. There will be a lot of um, different kind of look and feel to the whole thing. Will you know? I mean, rest assured, though, Andy, Penn State will be off-season national championship contenders. <laughs> All right, Franklin loves to win the off-season. Loves um, it. <laughs> it'll be another opportunity for Franklin to miss an opportunity next year. Oh with the boy, what a way to end this year or begin. <laughs> no, I mean, I think there'll be a lot of expectation, a lot of excitement. Um, you know, very, I think a, a disappointing way to end this season. Um, it would be nice to have a little more excitement heading into the off season and instead a lot of unknowns, but that'll make it for its own excitement. Um, and, um, like I said, we'll, we'll get to that stuff in the spring. We'll do our final wrap up of by the numbers in the spring and the next season. Um, you will be with you all the way, bro. Uh, but until then it always starts with, I love you. And it ends with, I love you. We are Penn state. See everyone, 
Have a great 2024. Thanks for listening to the Blue and White Brothers. Join us next time for another great episode about Penn State football. Want to make sure you don't miss an episode? Be sure to hit subscribe before you go. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review with overwhelming words of adulation and praise. We did it! Sub two-hour episode! (laughs) (laughs) Barely. Yeah, I like it. I'm good. I think it was a good episode. All right, man. Um, Thanks for being with me. Yep. Through the season. I'll talk to you in August. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Love Uh, you, bro. I have to go poop. I love you. (laughs) Later. (laughs) Bye.